You guys doing good this morning? Awesome, awesome. Some people are awake in this house. I like that. I like that. Well, my name, my name is Pastor Eli. I want to look in the, in the camera right now and say good morning to Hartzell and Madison and everyone who's worshiping with us online. We're so excited you're here with us. Can we all just clap our hands and just welcome everybody who's worshiping online? Awesome, awesome. Well, I am, again, Pastor Eli, and I pastor the, the Daystar Madison and I'm so excited that I got the opportunity to come and share with you guys today. I want to say thank you to Pastor Jerry for just the honor and opportunity to come here and, ser- and share with you today. You know, this word that God put in my heart was kind of during when we were talking about Easter. We're talking about getting ready for Easter. And I had this idea, just God just kind of dropped in my spirit for this message. And I shared it with Pastor Jerry and he's like, well, how about you just preach it? And, and so I learned, you know, I gave him an idea for a message and he's like, you just, you just preach it. Um, so I'm, I'm here today and he's actually in Hartzell and he's getting to worship with our, our church family in Hartzell. So I know you guys are excited to have Pastor Jerry there today, just, just participating in worship with you. And, um, and I'm excited to be here. I want to, just cause I don't get an opportunity all the time to be in front of you guys. I want to give you an update on what's happening in Madison at your, at our church family in Madison, which is, we're just, you guys, we're just an extension of you. You know, a few years ago, uh, this church, Daystar in Coleman planted the church in Madison, birth a new church in Madison. And many in these chairs right here and some in, in Hartzell and in Madison, you were part of that launching. You guys uh, invested in it. You drove up there and gave of your time and you gave generously of your, of your finances to make this new part of Daystar a reality. And it, it's like birthing a new baby. And that baby started walking, you know, and, and I'm telling you right here, that baby's about to start running. It's, it's awesome. God's doing incredible things. And, and man, come on. Yeah, that's worth giving God praise for. We are in the process of breaking ground on 32 acres of prime property right in the middle of Huntsville, Madison area, right off of 565. And um, tom- tomorrow, we're starting to move in all the earth moving equipment to begin the process of groundbreaking. And I'm, I'm excited because I get to be the first to invite you to come up next Sunday at 3.30 in the afternoon, we're gonna have the official groundbreaking for Daystar Madison on our new property. And we wanna invite our whole church family, you guys and in Hartzell, anybody that wants to come, go grab lunch, come up to Madison, get to go step, step foot on that property and be part of that group that gets to pray and dedicate this property to the Lord to be a new outpost for the kingdom of God to reach more people that are lost, hurting, and broken, amen? That's awesome. And then also, here's what's exciting is right after we finish, all that earth moving equipment in Madison is going to move right up into Hartzell. And they're going to start breaking ground on a new facility, a new auditorium in Hartzell so they can expand and reach more people. So there's so many exciting things. That's worth giving God praise for right there. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. So many exciting things are happening in Daystar. We really are going from a moment to a movement. And it's all about reaching more people for the kingdom of God and seeing more people saved and healed and set free. So we're super excited. I hope you guys are excited. Um, today, we've been in a series for two weeks called One and talking about different, different moments, different aspects. You know, Pastor Jerry talked about Bartimaeus and the one step of faith he had to take to get to Jesus, to receive his miracle and see his life change. And then last week, he talked about the power of one, of being one in Christ, that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of unity. And revival comes when the people of God unify. Today, I want to talk about one act of love, one act of love that redefined and changed how all of us are supposed to love one another, specifically in the body of Christ, so I want to join in on the story in John 13. And this is the last day Jesus has with his disciples. So his ministry on this earth is coming to a close. And in a few hours from this moment, he would go to the cross and be crucified. But 
Two major events happened on that night. And this is so cool that this is Communion Sunday. We did not plan this. But the two major events that happened that night before Jesus went to the cross were he instituted the, sac- the sacrament of communion. And then he washed the disciples' feet. And those are two powerful acts of Jesus. And you know, I want to pick it up right there in the story. John 13, verse 1. We're going to walk through this whole story, and I'm going to pause from time to time, and I want to help unpack it for us and how we can begin to live out this and and, and apply what Jesus is trying to teach the church in his final moments with, with his disciples on earth. Can we do that together? So John 13, you can get it in your notes or open your Bibles. We'll be in that story pretty much all day today. Um, starting in verse one, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples to the very end. I'm sorry, he'd loved his disciples. um, I lost my face. During his ministry on earth, now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper and the devil had prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and he would return to God. So Jesus knows what's about to happen. And he knows that God's given him all authority. And he's got this final moment with his disciples to prove to them once and for all that he's the Messiah. And you know, they've gone back and forth. They haven't, they've been kind of thick-headed, probably like I would be if I was in, this, in their shoes trying to wrap my mind around this, this Jesus and who he is. So he has this opportunity. What act should he do? What should he do to convince them and to, and to make sure that they're going to be solid in their belief of who he is when he leaves? You know, if it was me, I would do something different. I would, I would like walk through the wall. I would like soar up into the sky. I would call down my, my angel army from heaven and be like, this is who I am. You know, it says elsewhere in scripture, he could have called legions of angels to come down and he could have eradicated his enemies in a moment. He could have overthrown the entire Roman army in a in Roman empire in a heartbeat and he could have established his throne on this earth, but he didn't do that. That's not the kind of kingdom he was building, was it? So he comes in and he's got this moment with his disciples, his last hour. What is the last great act of the king of kings, the creator of the universe before he goes to heaven? And we see that it's not the act of a king that we would normally imagine. It is the act of the lowest servant. So let's read in verse four what he does. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel around him. Now, in every culture, in ancient culture, in the the Jewish culture, the Roman and and Greek culture, this act, this, this job of washing feet was the job of the lowest servant girl. And you know that that women in those times were not treated equally with men. But Jesus comes in and he 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 and immediately goes from being the, the Lord and rabbi of the feast to washing the feet, doing the lowest act he could possibly do. In one moment, he is blowing social barriers and he is breaking down these cultural norms that they'd set up. And he's declaring to his disciples that no act of service is below you, right? And he's, he's, he's literally going in and saying, I'm gonna do this job. I'm gonna do the lowest job, the one that you wouldn't even consider. Have you ever wondered why none of the disciples said, no, 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 Jesus, let me do that. Why did none of them jump in and say, Jesus, no, that's, that's not what you're supposed to do. Let me, let me wash the disciples' feet. I believe it's because this was so seemingly below them that they were just in shock. They're like, wait a second, you're the rabbi. They had, a, they had such a high view of, the, of rabbis, right? They, they were just like jaw dropped in shock and they just stood there. 
Like none of them even considered walking up to Jesus and taking the towel and saying, no, 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 Jesus, let me do that. Or at least let me help you. I'll do the, I'll do the dirtiest part and maybe you can do the drying. You know, like none of them, they didn't do that. They stood there watching Jesus do this because they did not understand this principle of the kingdom. Listen to this, that every act of service done out of love for Jesus is not a lowly act, but the highest and greatest form of love there is. Listen, do you hear me on that? Service, serving others is the highest form of love there is. Think about it for a minute. When you serve someone else, you have to humble yourself. You have to do unto them as you want done to you. You have to give them something without expecting anything in return. He was serving them in a way that they could not return to him. And, and this is the highest form of love. I, and, and, and it's such a principle, it's such an opposite principle to the way we think in our world today, where we, we do something for someone else and expect something in return. They couldn't repay this. He was not gonna let them help, even if they tried, right? And this principle of the kingdom is so powerful. I remember when I was in youth group, I had an amazing youth pastor named Pastor Stan and his wife, Allison. And during spring break, which is about this time of year, they would take us on a, on a spring retreat, which is kind of like camp. And they, they, they understood this principle so well. At the end of, the, of our camp, we would always clean the whole campground everywhere we were because we wanted to leave it better than we left it. We didn't want to be that youth group that comes in and trashes the place and leaves. We wanted to bless the camp owners. And it was, they were just teaching us about uh, being stewards and about servanthood. But one of the things they always taught us is the lowest and dirtiest jobs had to carry the highest honor. And so they, they, we really bought this. This wasn't cliche. The students really bought into this and the, and the volunteer staff, which I was on volunteer staff with them for years after I graduated because I loved the ministry. I loved what they did. We bought into this. So people, listen to this, teenagers literally arguing over who got to clean the toilets. I mean, how many parents would pay big money to send their teenagers to a camp that taught them the highest honor is to go clean the toilets? I mean, that is worth its weight in gold to me. Come on. Like, because... We, we were, they were teaching us something. And it was literally like we said, they would tell us, you know, you know what? You haven't been here long enough to earn that right. This person who's been serving for long, they're going to get to go clean the toilets. They're like, yes, I get to clean the toilets. And imagine seven days of teenagers using those bathrooms and guys' bathrooms. You know, they've been outside all day long. Probably most of them hadn't showered most of the week anyway. So the showers were real clean in the men's and the boys' bathrooms. But the rest of it, I'm not so sure. But they, we had this principle they were teaching us about God's kingdom. And, and it was incredible. And it's marked me to this day. Jesus was modeling this, this level of humble servanthood. So we get to um, how Simon's going to respond. Verse 6, listen to this. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, we love Peter because um, Peter does... He's kind of like, we, we relate with him a lot. Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? P Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And I think that gives us an idea of how they saw this task. It literally offended him that Jesus would, dare, would, would stoop to wash his feet. He couldn't take the thought. And how does Jesus reply? It's amazing. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And I bet that made Peter just, just fall back and his, his jaw drop open. What? See, Peter, Peter would be a make, make a great American, I think. Because Peter had that independent spirit that we all carry and we all battle. Am I true? Is it right? Sometimes we even value it. That we don't want, we don't want to owe anything to anybody. 
We don't want anybody to, 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 to be indebted to anybody or anybody to see our dirt. We can do it on our own. It's kind of a, it's kind of a pride thing, but it's, it's common, I believe, in our culture. Am I wrong or right? You know, when someone brings you a household, housewarming gift, you're like, oh, man, now I got to take them a, house, uh, you know, a, a hospitality gift when we go over to their house for dinner because I can't owe them anything. It's this perspective we have on life that's just so not kingdom-minded. See, we are still, like Peter, trying to clean ourselves up before we come to Jesus. You think, you, I, I, have you ever wondered if that's why Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet? Because he really wanted to make sure that he had a good, put a, he, he was the leader, you know? I'm the leader, Jesus. I gotta have it all together. And he knew all the things he'd stepped in that day. Come on, guys. He knew how nasty his feet were. He knew, and then he's thinking about, he was embarrassed. He was ashamed that he hadn't done anything about it. He, he started thinking about his own faults and his own sins and his own failures. And here's Jesus coming in. And here's the funny thing is, Jesus knows all that anyway. He sees it all anyway. He knows it all. There's nothing Peter is hiding from Jesus. See, and we're the same way. There's nothing you and I can really hide from Jesus. But we still try. We still try. We still are, are, are asking God. We're saying, you know, Jesus, just let me get some things together. Let me get some things in order, and then I'll let you come in and be Lord of my life. Come on. Is that true? Do we act like that? I, I mean, I know I've been there. But the, here's the crazy thing, that Jesus knows every failure of your past. And we all know the failures of our past really, really well. But he also knows the failures of my next 40 years of life. And yet he still says, I love you. In the midst of your dirt that you have now, in the midst of the dirt you're gonna have, I still love you. What an amazing God. What an amazing king. He says to Peter, you know, unless, he says, Peter, unless I wash you, unless I wash you, Listen to that. He says, unless you accept my cleaning you without you helping me, without you earning it, without you even deserving it, Peter, unless you do that, you have no part of me. And see, we don't understand this. We still try to earn his love. We still try to earn our salvation, just like Peter. We still try to get our act together before we come to him and say, okay, now, now I, can, I can accept you, Jesus. Now you can be Lord of my life because I feel like I've got it together. I'm doing good. I, 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 listen to the, I went to church three times this month. I'm doing good, God. Now I can let you take control. But the, 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 the crazy thing is, and the thing we don't understand is we can never clean ourselves. This is not something Peter had to. He had to let Jesus wash him or he didn't belong to him. And that's the thing that Pharisees didn't understand, did they? They thought they could, they could accomplish 613 laws and clean themselves for God to let them into heaven. And the thing they had that Peter had to understand in this moment is, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know what? That, how encouraging is that for you to know that you can't do it? That's your, that's your encouraging word for the day. You can't do it. I want you to write this in your notes because I want you to remember. We have to remember this, church. Say, write this down. This is not in your notes, but you can write to the side. Say, I'll never be clean without Jesus. I'll never be clean without Jesus. We got to stop trying because it's impossible. So Jesus says, so he's saying to you, he's saying to me, he's saying, so let me wash you. Let me wash you. 
But, but Jesus, you know, I'm going to mess up again. You know that I'm going to fail you. I'm going to fail you probably when I walk out the doors of this church. I'm going to lose my temper with my kids, or I'm going to say something I shouldn't have said, or I'm going to cut someone off. God, Jesus, you know. And he says, I know. I know everything you've done. I know everything you're going to do. Let me wash you. And when you mess up again, let me wash you again and again and again and again. But Jesus, how can you love me like that? How can you love me through all that you, he knows everything I've done. That just blows my mind. He knows everything I'm going to do. Yet he comes in into this moment in my life, knowing the beginning and the end, he says, I'm going to wash you again and again. Every day, every moment, I need Jesus to wash me. You need Jesus to wash. You can't do it on your own. And we need to remember that. And see, the thing is, the more we receive that forgiveness from Jesus, the more we receive his love, the more we come to him and we don't deserve it, yet he pours his presence out on you again, the more you do that, the more you realize that's the love I want. I want I, you, the more you stop chasing after the things you were chasing after to fulfill you, and the, more, and the less you need anything of this world, and the more you want that love that's eternal, that's unconditional, that's unbreakable, that you can't earn it, but he gives it to you anyway. That's the love that marks you. It marks your life. And then it's like, at that point, that's what freedom in Christ begins to look like. We're never meant to carry guilt and shame and bitterness and anger and all that stuff. He wants to wash all that nastiness off of you every single day, every single moment, because this world tries to get you dirty. You step out in the streets, Peter was going to walk out that door, and guess what he was going to step in? Some donkey duty or something like that. He was going to walk out that door, and it's right there in front of him, right? There's someone waiting out there that's going to make you, that's going to make you mad this afternoon. You're going to lose your cool, and he's going to be there to wash you. Come on. That's the kind of love that he has for us. It's incredible. So, so Simon thinks he's got it now. He said, okay, okay. Verse 9, Simon Peter explained, then wash my hands and my head and, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus comes back to him and he says, Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to be washed except for their feet to be entirely clean. And your disciples are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11, for Jesus knew who would betray him. And that's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. See, Jesus washed even the feet of Judas. And he knew what Judas was about to do. How many of us would love someone and serve someone who we knew had betrayed us? We don't know the future, right? But put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Say that you had a, one of your best friends, someone you love, someone you knew, and they had, you found out that they'd been lying about you, they'd been gossiping about you, backbiting you, they'd been just completely d- d- uh, smearing your name to other people. And you see them in public. And they don't know that you know what they've done. What's your response to that person? At best, we just ignore them and walk the other way, right? At worst, we'd go up and say, how dare you do that? I thought you were my friend. And we'd get up in their face and we'd just give them, lay it into them. But what would Jesus do? He knows every betrayal, every thought, every motive of the heart. And yet he would walk up to them and he'd love them and he'd forgive them and he'd wash their feet. How many church divisions and church of, and, and offenses and bitterness and disunity among the body of Christ would be solved if, if when people were offended, they'd forgive and wash the feet of the one who offended them? This unity starts here because the enemy knows that Jesus prayed that they would be one, just like Pastor Jerry said last week, the revival is in unity. 
and he's calling us to be unified, but that doesn't mean people aren't going to get on your nerves. It doesn't mean that we're gonna, something's going to be said from the pulpit that you don't agree with. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen, but you're called, we're called as the body of Christ to love each other and love each other like Jesus loved us. So there's some reasons, you know, Jesus continues on and verse 12, he says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked them, do you understand what I was doing? And you notice nobody answers. They're just sitting there. They're still trying to wrap their mind around why he would do that and what he's trying to teach them and doing this, this terrible, lowly, smelly job. And they're trying to grasp it in human terms of hierarchy and authority and rabbis and all this stuff that they've known. And it just doesn't make sense because God's kingdom doesn't make sense in human terms. It only makes sense when you understand it from a kingdom perspective. So Jesus breaks it down for them. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord. And they had a certain idea of what a teacher and Lord was supposed to do on the, in the world. They're supposed to walk around in nice rows with tassels like the Pharisees. They're supposed to do all these things. And he's already broken those paradigms, but he's breaking them even further. Hasn't he? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that is who I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you example, an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. And we know that that's not just about foot washing. He's given us a broader example of how we are called to serve one another in the body of Christ. You notice he washed the disciples' feet. He didn't run out in the street and wash a, a beggar's feet. He started with the body of Christ. He started with serving each other, and we're going to find out why in just a minute. But I want to talk about a couple reasons why we just don't do this very well. We're, we, are, we tend to not follow this example. Jesus declared, I want you to go follow the example that I've given you. We don't serve like Jesus very often, and I want to tell you why. I'm going to give you three reasons why we don't serve like him and two ways that we can begin to serve like him. Can I do that? Okay. First, uh, reason one, we think there are two groups of Christians, clergy and laity, or ministers and members, if you want to put that, ministers and members. You still think, we still think that there's something more special about somebody on this platform than you, or, so, or Pastor Jerry than, all, than one of us. We still think that there's this difference that God has. He's got these favorites, and then he's got the rest of us. And that's not how the kingdom of God works. There, we are of equal value, we have equal purpose, and we have equal access to the presence of God. Every single one of us. So but this, this idea, um, now that doesn't mean we're not supposed to respect and honor those who preach the word of the Lord to us. The Bible says clearly we're supposed to give them honor, right? But their job is not more important than someone else that's serving out in the lobby, serving behind a camera or anywhere else. See the difference? You honor the person because of the role they have, but the job they've given them is not more important than anybody else. And that, that idea of two separate groups comes from the Old Testament. It comes from when they were priests and they were the people, right? The priests could go into God's presence and they could mediate between God and the people, but the people, the ordinary people, they couldn't go into the presence of God. But Jesus blew that all out of the water, didn't he? He tore the veil that separated the presence of God from the people, and he gave us full access through the Holy Spirit into the Holy of Holies. Every single one of us. He says in the Word of God that you are priests. You are royal priesthood. He says that you are the light of the world because you carry Christ in you. He, listen to this. Even messed up people are priests. In fact, he specialized in taking messed up people and making them filling them with his presence, transforming them and making them ministers of the gospel. People that didn't have it all together, people didn't have an education, people didn't have a lot of money. And he took them and he filled them with the power and presence of God, didn't he? Ordinary people, fishermen, 
tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners. And they, when they came to Jesus, he gave them identity, transformed them, and filled them with his presence and sent these ordinary, unlearned. He didn't go take them through seminary, did he? He just took them through life. And then he sent them out and said, now go, and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. See, this same idea, Jesus calls us priests. He says, everyone is special. He says, all of us are ministers. But this idea of two groups, we've been battling from the beginning. Because even after Jesus, right, the church began to break down into these groups again. And we had the Catholic church with priests and then the people that did their thing. And, and there was a separation again. And Martin Luther comes along. And one of his main issues that he um, fought against was the priesthood. He was declaring the priesthood of all believers, and he was trying to get the place back where the people of God could have the word of God again, where they could have access and there was no, special, no difference, right? But even then, after Martin Luther, after the Reformation, we're still dealing with it today. But the word minister, listen to this. The word minister in Greek is diakonos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or not. And that word minister means servant. So listen to me. Every, listen to this. Everyone who serves is a minister. And everyone who ministers serves. There's no difference. Where and how God calls us to minister may be very different. But the point is, every single one of you are priests and ministers to the Lord. And there's equal reward in God's kingdom for all of us. You, know, you understand, like, like Merritt right there behind that camera, he's, he's right now, he's capturing this message on, on video. He's sending upstairs to Dennis and his team. And they're broadcasting this message out so that thousands of people at all of our campuses and online and across the world can hear this message every single Sunday and be encouraged in their faith and strengthened. Those guys right there are ministers of the gospel and priests of the Lord. Come on. And it's true. Now listen, there's more. Christy, Christy Berry in Hartsville campus. Christy Berry, I heard about her. She goes in every Monday and she enters, does data entry. That seems like a small task, but what she's doing is she's putting in people that want to get baptized, people that gave their hearts to the Lord, that need, that need some discipleship, people that are interested in, in small groups or in joining a team, and she gets that information in so that we can take that and they can get those people involved in the church family, get them baptized, get them going on their walk with the Lord. Christy Berry is a minister of the gospel and a priest to the Lord. Right now in Madison campus, there's a lady named Melissa. She's all the way up in Madison. She's sitting in the nursery right now holding somebody's baby. So that mama can watch the sermon uninterrupted and be able to be encouraged and strengthened. That mama's been giving out all week long. And this is her moment to just be sitting there and encouraged and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Melissa in that nursery is a priest of the, of, to the Lord and a minister of the gospel. Amen. And, the, church, and the, the business person who runs their business as unto the Lord and gives generously to the church and leads their employees um, in, in knowing Christ and being an example, that business person is a minister of the gospel and a priest of the Lord. You get what I'm saying? Teachers, teachers who raise the next generation, they're examples of Christ to the next generation, are ministers of the gospel and priests of the Lord. Every one of us are ministers of the gospel and priests of the Lord. There's somebody watching online right now and you're stuck at home. You can't get out. Maybe you're homebound, but you, I know that you watch. And as those comments scroll through the prayer request on Facebook or something, you're watching and you pray. You pray for every single prayer request that comes through on that feed, and you are a minister of the gospel and a priest of the Lord. You need to know that. Amen. Every single one of us are called to be that, not just people on a platform. There's not two groups. There's just the priesthood of all believers and the ministry of all believers to the Lord and to the lost and hurting and broken. So there's not two groups we categorize. The second reason that we do this is that we think, we think that there's different, different tasks 
Every task. We categorize things. Sorry, number two, we categorize things. Jesus doesn't categorize things. In fact, I don't believe, maybe, maybe God does categorize things, but he categorizes it very different than we do. Because remember how he says, if you give even a cup of cold water to a little one in my name, you by no means lose your inheritance in heaven. So I don't think God looks at the task. He looks at the heart of the one doing it. He's looking at our hearts. He's, he categorizes by motives. Doesn't that make, does that, does that, you understand what I'm saying? If you do it as unto the Lord, then that, that task is an eternal reward. You, you following me? There was a man named Lord, Brother Lawrence in, the, in, in his book. He was a, mon, a monk in a monastery and his book was called Practicing the Presence of God. You know what his main job was? Washing dishes. But he did it as unto the Lord. And let me tell you that that guy who spent time in the Lord's presence, worshiping the Lord and, and washing the dishes, dishes of the other, other monks, he's a minister of the gospel and his reward in heaven is sound. And we don't, I don't think we even grasp it how Jesus said the first will be last, the last will be first. We don't even know how this all works, but I know this. If you work, if you live your life, if you serve, do your job as unto the Lord, you'll by no means lose your reward in heaven. And you're a minister of the gospel and a priest to the Lord. Number three, the reason I don't think we always serve is we don't think there's a place for us. We don't think there's a place for us. The, 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 the vision, or, or the, I guess the, the vision of Daystar is community transformation through the love and power of Jesus. Community transformation through the love and power of Jesus. Now that cannot happen with a few staff members and a few core volunteers. And I believe it's because that vision is not just Pastor Jerry's vision. That vision is God's dream. He wants to see communities transformed. He wants to see uh, families restored. He wants to see his love poured out from Coleman, from Hartzell, from Madison, and across North Alabama. He wants to see people lives change and the kingdom of heaven advance into the darkness. But that only happens when every believer becomes a minister of the gospel and a priest of the Lord. And he's calling all of us to be that. I want to give you two steps that on how we can begin to serve like Jesus. Because I believe every one of us, if we're, if we're, if we're honest, we want God to use us, but we don't know how. Before I share those steps, I want to share this with you. You have a place that you're supposed to serve God. And all it takes is you saying, God, here I am. I'm willing. I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not even, I'm not even a very good Christian sometimes, but I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to love people. And I'm willing to be a part of your vision coming to pass of lives being transformed and saved and healed. Whatever it takes, God, I'll do it. The first step on how we serve like Jesus, listen to this, step one, is allow Jesus to serve you. It got quiet in here. Allow Jesus to serve you. And I know some of you guys, when you hear that, you're like, wait a second. I'm not, that, that's not how it's supposed to work. See, that's you thinking like Peter again. Remember what Peter said? No, 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 Jesus, you can't wash me. I need to do something for you. Or I need to get myself together. See, we have to remember, we, the first step in all of this is not trying to do it for Christ, but let him do it to you first. He needs to wash you before you can wash anybody else. You need to allow him to wash his love over you before you can go out and love other people. Amen? Amen. Turn to someone and say, let Jesus wash you. Let Jesus wash you. He wants to wash us clean of all the guilt, shame, bitterness, anger, all the stuff that we hold on to. So that when you walk out these doors, people are like, what's different about you? And you can say, I've been washed. I've been washed. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. And that love 
that you, when you allow Jesus to die for your sins, when you accepted what he's done, begins to flow out of you to everyone around you. And then you can do step two, which is go and serve each other the same way. Later on in this passage, John, he says this in John 13, same chapter, verse 34, Jesus summarizes what he's telling them to do. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See, church, listen to me. Love is supposed to be the defining characteristic of the people of God. And what's the best way to show love? What did I say? That, that serving is the highest form of love there is. Serving one another. He says, how you, look at, people are supposed to look at the church and say, look how they love each other. Look how they serve each other. When someone's down or someone's lost and broke, man, they come alongside them. They, they are so loving. They are so selfless. I want to be a part of something like that. It's supposed to be a testimony to the world that we're supposed to go serve each other. And Jesus not only called it a testament, he said, this is my commandment, that you love each other as I have loved you. See, up to this point, the, the, the Pharisees had had 631 laws. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, he brought it down to two. Love the Lord your God with all, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And now he's saying, I want you to focus on this. Once you've loved me, once you know my love, you want you to go and serve each other as I have loved you. But you have to receive his love to give his love. But that's our goal. That's our entire job. We've re you've received Jesus maybe. And if you haven't, we're gonna give you an opportunity to today. And now you're called to go love others as he's loved you. I love this statement. Love God, love like God through Christ loved you. Love like God through Christ loved you. That's what we're called to do. Today, we're doing something out in the lobby called Dream Team Rally. And what this is, is, is in a few weeks, two weeks from today, there's gonna be a lot of, of guests coming into our church family, coming into our home, right? For, to visit us and be a part of Easter. We want those people, those guests to feel loved and welcome. And we want them to become a part of this, of this church family because this is a really good church family. And they can find life here and they can be encouraged here. And they can be, no matter what their background is, we will accept them and we will love them and we will draw them in to what God has for them. Amen? Amen? But that means all of us, this is your house. This is your family. And you're called to serve somewhere. If you're new today, we got a place for you that you can serve. If you've been here for a long time and you're like, man, I've done my time serving. I don't think that's how Jesus would talk. Jesus would say, you know what? How, why would you miss out on the reward and the blessing of serving others in the body of Christ in some way? And I don't even know what that looks like. It might be picking up trash in the parking lot. It might be cleaning the toilets. It might be taking care of babies. But if you don't like babies, we don't want you in the nursery. There's another place for you. You know, there's a place for you. And God wants you to use your gifts and talents and your energy to serve other people in the body of Christ. There's people right now that have been serving this church by pouring concrete, by, by, by working and slaving throughout the week in, this, in, the, in the rain, in the, in the, in the heat. And they're, they're serving. They're ministers of the gospel and priests of the Lord. Amen. God, go out there today. I want you to find a place. And I want to encourage you to, to do this on Easter. I want you to serve. We want you to serve in one and we want you to receive in one. Don't just come and serve all the way through and burn yourself out. We don't want that. We want you to be able to receive because you can't give anything you don't have to receive. You need to take time to receive. You know, right now there's an epidemic in our nation of empty churches. And some of that's from the pandemic. Some of that was a growing problem that had happened for a long time. And a lot of churches are focused on how can we fill the buildings back up? 
but we're focused on a different problem, guys. I mean, I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue that we're focused on is not empty churches, not empty buildings, but empty people. Empty people. People that are working so hard, they're going through the motions, they're trying their best, but they just keep coming up short. And they haven't experienced the freedom and love that comes from Christ. And God wants to reach them. And he wants to use you to reach them. You have those invite cards in your hand and those are your tool to go out and bring in some people that need to hear about the love and hope that they can have in Jesus. That's why Easter matters because it's a day that people are more open to come and hear that God's the one that fills empty places. That's why Daystar matters because we're a place that will accept anybody from anywhere to come in these doors and hear that hope of Jesus. And that's why you serving matters because we need everybody to be the hands and feet of Jesus and open our arms to those who come in these doors and those who are out in the streets and in your workplace and in the fast food restaurants everywhere, amen?